0: Shut up and sit down. All right, well, welcome back to When the Wind Blows. This is an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, Anyone vested in the world of education. I am Erin Barnes, host of the show, and today's co-host is Shelly Bird. Shelly comes to Epic. Well, I'm going to let her tell her story. She is, um, man, she is a blessing to me. I I love this woman. Um, and again, later in the show, we'll get to a few more things, uh, some personal stuff, but. Uh, Shelly has kind of been my rock going through this process, and um, and I, I just love this woman, Shelly. Thank you for being on the show. Will you do me a favor? I've already told them who you are, but tell yes. us um, a little more about yourself and how long you've been at Epic and what your role is here at sure, Epic.
1: Absolutely. Well, I love Erin too. She's a rock star here at Epic, and so um, we got to be friends through Epic, but then we were brought closer together by some mutual. Um, situations with our children but yes I'm Shelly Bird, and I'm the RTI coordinator here at EPIC. I've been here four years um, and what I actually do is I coordinate the RTI program. Um, I just make sure that it's running appropriately, that we are looking at the students that we need to look at, that we're making adjustments, that we kind of feed off each other. I will say I have a phenomenal team of um, individuals that look at each one of the students individually. Um, Sometimes we have a lot of kids and uh, it gets slowed down a little bit, but we do our best. We work long. We work hard hours to really focus on each student individually um, the further along they get in the RTI process. So um, how I got here, um, I was actually in the... um, public sector. I was not in education, and I had a. I have a daughter that's now 17 years old. Um, she's one of three of my kids, and she's my middle child. Um, she was born um, at 30 weeks and had two brain bleeds when she was born. Wow. They told us, yeah, they told us at that time that they did not, not know what her quality of life would be, and um, there were some decisions that needed to be made, and my husband and I prayed about it, and we just knew that The path we were on was not going to be an easy path with her. However, we knew that God was in control and um, we just decided to move forward in in the holistic way that we could and just trust God to be in control. So um, 17 years later, if you, you met my daughter... You would never know that she had struggled throughout life academically like she has. Um, She's a typical 17-year-old girl. She's beautiful and funny and crazy, but she struggles academically. Um, I was working in human resource at the time. She got into school, and I was still working human resource, and I had her teachers telling me, Shelly, there's something wrong with her um, being able to process and comprehend things. She can't retain information longer than a few days. Um, So we had some neurological testing done and found out that she um, has dyslexia, and she also has a processing disorder. So at that time, I quit my job. And I decided to become a paraprofessional in the school and learn everything I could about how to help her be better. So that's where it all started. And that was, what, 17 years ago? Actually, she was in kindergarten. So 12 years ago, and this is where I've ended up. And this is my passion in life is to not only help students, but to help parents, because the journey as a parent with a struggling student is not easy. Um, You you have expectations for your children, whether it is to go to college, whether it's to go into a trade school, um, just making them into um, good humans, you know. And so when you have a student that's struggling and that your academics and I don't think we, we realize what the role of academics play in the life of a student, a child, you know, that's their job. That's what they go to school to do. That's their job. That's where they're making their living. They're making, they're earning their way. And so when that student doesn't feel successful, it doesn't just impact them academically. It impacts their whole world. And I wanted that world to be as stable and as healthy as we could possibly make it. So, you know, we just dove in and did everything we could to make her um, struggle less of a struggle. But we were always very upfront with her to let her know you're different. You learn differently. And that's that's, you know, that's the the row you have to hoe. But it's not anything that we can't overcome. Yeah, And she loves school. Um, but it has been a struggle. And I think I, I, I equate it to somebody going to a job every single day and constantly feeling like they weren't as good as the person working next to them. Uh, they couldn't keep up. And as adults, how would that affect us mentally? And that's what our students are going through. So when I say it's not just academics that we have to be concerned about, we need to be concerned about the whole child and what they're doing. Yeah. So Um, I think anybody who talks to me for very long can see that my passion is um, students that are struggling. I love it. Um, I hate it for them, but I love being able to dive in and help them.
0: Um, I I didn't realize you had started as a paraprofessional. I started as a paraprofessional, but not for the same. I started because I wanted summers off.
1: (laughs) That's an added bonus for sure.
0: But I, as I was going through, I mean, I was I was assigned to this little girl, um, one kiddo, I, and I followed this little kiddo um, around because she just didn't have um, the skills in place to take social cues. She didn't have the structure in her organization to be able to remember that this is what happens next, and this is where my notebook is kept. And so she and I just kind of became best friends that school year, and it was through working with her, sitting in another teacher's classroom, because, I mean, I attended all of her classes with her. Um, I sat in Jen Lake's classroom and watched Jen Lake teaching the low, medium, and high level kids at the same time. And she'd be like, all right, pause. I need these two groups to write down your, you know, two times fours or whatever, whatever it was. And then she's like, you five, listen to me real quick. Da, 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 da. And she she was doing this differentiation, and she was just taking 30 seconds, these little nano learnings. And that's going to be a whole episode later. Um, but she was doing these little nano learning bites. Um, and all right, you this group, I want you to blah, blah, blah. Hey, you guys listen to me. Da, 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 da. And she was doing it all in real time. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can add and subtract fractions now. Because I was one of those learners. I hated school, Shelly. I hated school. And um, as you and I have spoken, as Tamara and I have spoken, uh, Tamara Schrick, um, who was our previous uh, special ed director, we have learned a lot of things about me. I have unearthed things about my learning um, through the process of finding out things through learning. And so um, we, we started in the same world. We started as paraprofessionals and then had to dive in and do more. I love that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you learn, it's like one of those things you learn from the bottom up and not to say that our parents are at the bottom. They are just the backbone and the roots of that student's academic process. Um, you know, and, and that's that, you know, education has come so far. I remember back when I was in school and anybody that was in special education, it was, um, there was a stigmatism that came along with it. And unfortunately, um, they didn't always get the best rap or Mm -hmm. whatever you would say. They were kind of stuck in a classroom Um, at that time. They weren't out in regular uh, classrooms, but they were stuck in a classroom. You never really socialized with them much. Um, And and now we're at the the place where those kids are brought into the regular classroom. And teachers that are so phenomenal, like Jen Lake, that can do that differentiated treatment in the class classroom, it goes back to making that student feel like they are part of the world. And we know there's diversity all over the place now. We are trying to be more diverse people in general, but you know. Right. We see that in academics and education as well, being diverse in a classroom and being able to touch those students' lives that are at all different levels. And that's what it's about, diversity in the classroom.
0: Now, I went to school a really long time ago, Shelley, but I was one of those kids. And I remember the teacher would say, all right, Aaron, it's time for you to go to your math class while we do ours. And I just, I remember thinking, wow, you dirty person for making me feel like that. I mean, I had, you know, way um, different words that I used back then, but I'm a good person now. But um <laughs> Anyway, I just remember though feeling gosh so alienated, and I would get up and I would have to leave that classroom twice a day, once for reading, once for math, and they were not at the same time, so it was it was twice a day. I felt that alienation, and I was sent to a classroom with kids that did not look or act or speak like me, and they gave you the answers. It, there was no learning happening in mm-hmm. that classroom, and I and now knowing, gosh you were dyslexic gosh you have ADD you know um we, we do things totally different now and yeah. thank thank you for that I mean you that know. was the
1: walk of shame oh gosh know, yes we, well when you have to get up and walk out and everybody's going well what's wrong with
0: yeah well things. and that resource door was always open and so yeah. all those normal kids would walk by and they'd look in and I would look up and we'd catch eyes and I'd be like oh here I am. And there you go. You know, and I it was
1: know my dirty secret. I know. You know, and that's what it was. That's what it was like. It was. And, and I, that's my goal is to change it so that those students do not feel like they have a dirty secret or they have to take that walk of shame. Um, you know, we are all created with a purpose and how we fulfill that purpose might be a different path than what you would take or Gin link would take, or anybody would take, but we have a purpose, and, and that's our job is to help that student fulfill that purpose, so, and to feel successful.
0: Well, and I don't want to talk, I, I want to talk about RTI, because we, we're okay. kind of delving into a world that's, that's more, maybe special ed, 504, and, and no. that is not what this conversation is. This conversation is RTI, um, and this is the time of year kiddos are taking benchmarks, We're getting scores back and people are like, oh, crap, look how low, you know, or look at this or, um, and and so then we we have conversations about the RTI process and immediately hands go up. I was one of those people, Shelly. My hands went up and I was like, nope, we're not doing that. Uh, my kids are uh, are not part of this. And, and before we talk about what RTI is, I just wanted to read a quote from the book. And I've said about, I've talked about this book before. It's the um, One World Schoolhouse in case you don't have it. And it's written by Sal Khan. Um, And he says, the old classroom model simply doesn't fit our changing needs. It's fundamentally passive in its way of learning, while the world requires more and more active processing of information. Between the old way of teaching and the new, there's a crack in the system and kids around the globe are falling through it every day. The world's changing at an even faster rate. Systemic change, when it happens, it moves glacially and often in the wrong direction. Every day, every class period, the, the gap grows wider and wider between the way the kids are taught and what they actually need to learn. And I thought, what a great quote to talk about this because what we're doing is intervening. Uh, Sal calls it Swiss cheese. And, you know, you get that Swiss cheese and it's a whole piece of cheese. But there are little holes in there, uh, and it, and it doesn't make the sandwich taste any different. Those holes, but the holes are there nonetheless. And what absolutely. he's talking about doing is filling the holes. And the RTI process is filling the holes.
1: That's what we do, absolutely.
0: So, uh, what is it? What is RTI?
1: RTI, what stands for, is Response to Intervention. Um, over the years, I think, um, and you know, I don't know where it all started, but it was taken. RTI was taken as the road to IEP. Yes. You knew that if you had a student that was in RTI that it wouldn't be too long till they would be tested for an IEP. Well, that's not what RTI is. And this is something that a lot of people don't understand as well. RTI is not even under the special education umbrella. Mm-hmm. We are not special education we are an intervention tool for regular education students. So what happens what is, and, and and let me just back up a little bit, even our special education students need interventions. So just because a student has been diagnosed as special education needing an IEP doesn't mean that we still we don't do interventions anymore to try to let help them reach grade level. It, in regular education, RTI is used as the model to fill those Swiss cheese holes in. What those benchmarks do, and you're right, people start benchmarking and they start looking at those scores and they're like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? This student is, is significantly low. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to call special ed and get them started there. Nope, that's not not what you need to do. There are all sorts of reasons why a student could have those gaps in their academic history. Um, COVID? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) oh my gosh. Don't even get me started on COVID. That's one thing that people need to understand. And since you brought that up, let me just state that we are in the 21-22 school year. The whole 2021 school year was impacted by COVID. And half of the 19-20 school year was impacted by COVID. Yes. So you take a a kiddo that was in kindergarten at the very beginning, 1920, and they missed that whole last semester. And then you put them in the 2021 school year and it was hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss. You know, here at Epic, we continued to trek along. But if they were in a different format of education, they may have been in and out of school due to quarantine shutdown and missing that academic time. So you have students that are year and a half behind. You take that year and a half and they, what is it they say, Erin, for every, every year you miss, you're three behind because the way we move so fast in education so we have a lot of, of teachers and parents that they give those benchmark tests and that student scores low and their first thought is, oh my goodness, there's something wrong.
0: Or well, the school isn't working for me.
1: Right, right. And what could simply be wrong is they didn't have a good relationship with the person who was in charge of their education. Um, they could have been quarantined multiple times.
0: <clears throat> they could have gone from a regular classroom setting to you know panicking and coming here and it Absolutely. not being for them.
1: Absolutely. You know,
0: just doing their best to survive.
1: Right. And, and, and virtual school is not for everybody. No. I will be the first to tell you there are some students that thrive in this kind of um, world, and there are other students heck no, this is not for them. And they need to find their educational path in a more structured sitting down in front of a teacher classroom every day with their peers. Yep. Um, so, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. But the thing that we look at in RTI is we look at those benchmark scores and we can have a student that's significantly low. We look at the students that are uh, below basic. So when you have your your state test, you have your advanced, your proficient, your basic, and your below basic. We really look at those students that are below basic. And what we're looking at is the, the benchmark data that it gives us. And we're looking at those specific areas that those students scored low in. And what a lot of times people don't understand is they score low in one area, it has a huge impact on another area. So what we want to do is we want to look at that area that they were the lowest in, and we want to see if we can offer interventions and really target that area so that they can start making progress. And that's what we do is we like to make progress. And the thing about RTI is very... A very, very small percentage of our students actually move forward into special education. Most of them, the majority, um, 95% of them actually show improvement and are working and moving towards those grade level academics. Yes. Um, Just because a student's behind doesn't mean they can't get caught up. It's all about teaching them where they're at and moving them forward. Sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's just one of those things to where, like you were saying about fractions, adding and subtracting fractions, a student's struggling with that. They have a teacher that sits down with them and goes over it maybe, excuse me, maybe differently than anybody's ever showed it to them before and really said... Ask me questions as we go. Yeah. We're not in the classroom setting, so you have my undivided attention. Ask me a question. When I get to step two, ask me a question. And that student is able to sit there and really listen and pay attention because that their communication, that one-on-one communication, and then they go, oh, my gosh, I get it now. And then they move forward. And once they learn how to add and subtract those fractions, man, the next few steps in that... Uh, math problem is so much easier because they got that taken care of. So RTI is always trying to build a base. And then on top of that base, we go to that next step and we start trying to learn those next steps and then those next steps. And we're constantly trying to move a student forward and not making them feel like they are, um, they have to take the walk of shame or or try to change the, the thought process and the stigmatism that comes with students that are behind because really None of us do anything exactly the same on exactly the same time. Um, you know, when you're a baby and you meet those milestones, it's not like they say at at six months and one week, your child should be doing this. Because even those milestones, when you have a baby and a toddler, they learn them at different times. Yes. Same exact thing with our education. We learn at different times in different ways.
0: You know, one of the last years I was teaching, um, I would I would tell my students I was like, hey guys, I'm just a nine year old teacher. I've only been doing this for nine years, so really, if you want to think about it, I'm like a third grade teacher uh, because they they can think like that. And so third graders need a lot of help and support. If you would um, help me, like if you would say uh, what other students might find difficult while learning this, so that they never had to say that I'm having a problem learning this. They would say, hey, students might think that this would be hard if you explained it that way. And I don't know, it, it changed everything for us. Like, I, I would let them know, I'm a new guy. You can always help me by asking questions that other students might find, you know, difficulty. And it, it, was, it was awesome. Uh, and they, they felt like, hey, students might find difficulty here because you said it like this. Right. And the
1: thing about it is... When you have a good relationship with your teacher, it's much easier to learn from them. If you have feel like you can come to them with anything, if you can come to them and say, hey, I'm just not getting it, and the way you explained it, I, I don't understand that. Um, our teachers being open enough to say, okay, yeah, I get it. I, I probably could have done that a little bit better for you. Let me let me stop and back up. So that's when I went back to what I said while ago. Sometimes um, we call things lack of instruction. Yes, that doesn't mean that the teacher didn't do a good job with that lesson. What that means is is that that student wasn't able to comprehend that particular, Subject that they were working on. Right. Um, lack of instruction could also be the students moved around. Um, they they're in the third grade and they've moved to four different schools. Yeah. And that's hard because not every school uses the same curriculum. Our um, trucking through the same rate and everybody's going at different rates and paces in their classroom. So lack of instruction, Just kid could have been in one school for the first semester, went to another school the second semester. And that teacher in the second semester was way further ahead in, in that English than ELA than what the first teacher was. So they missed some in there. So there's all sorts of lack of instruction that we see. And when you fill in those Swiss cheese holes, you're going back and finding out by that benchmark test, where are they at? What were they missing? They're really good at comprehension. However, they're not retaining it. Why are they not retaining it? Are they focusing so much on trying to, to read the words that they're not able to and they can tell you exactly what the story was about then. But then two days later, they're like, Oh, I don't remember what I wrote because that was a short I read. That was a short term memory thing. Right. But they weren't able to soak it in because they were focusing too hard on trying to read it. So exactly. there's, there's all sorts of things. And, and I always tell everybody when they're like, so why do you like RTI so much? And I'm like, well, I'll tell you because I feel like a crime scene investigator for education, we like to go back to the point where a student, where the incident happened, if you would say, and then find out maybe why it happened, what was the root cause, and then build on there and fix the problem, we're the problem fixers. So, um, you know, that's that RTI is, is a way that we can make those students feel normal even if they and what is really normal and I hate saying that but feel like they're just like everybody else even if they're behind
0: okay sidebar here uh I chase squirrels and that's the ADD but I feel like you and Sean need to partner up and make a whole RTI video as crime scene investigators
1: oh yes (laughs) (laughs) absolutely
0: absolutely okay uh back to the world that we're talking about I remember um when Tamara and I first had the conversation about my oldest daughter Tatum, who at the time was, uh, we were at the end of fifth grade and now she's a ninth grader, but we were at the end of fifth grade. She was letting me spew. Um, we were talking about what could this possible problem be. And, um, she's like, you know, we need to think about interventions. What, what kind of things have you done? And I thought, well, you know, when it comes to writing, I let her, verbally spew everything out into her memos, her voice notes, and then she will go back and listen to her voice notes and hit pause. And then she would type it out. And that she was like, Aaron, you're already doing the RTI process. Why are you holding up? And I thought, well, gosh, I didn't realize I was already doing the RTI process. Um, And so that's, that's one intervention, but, but we use this year, it's Freckle. I mean, in the past, we've had DreamBox, MindPlay, Reading Plus, and they're all still things that are still available if you love those. But this year, we're going to try with Freckle because we know it is aligned to OAS. We know that it is aligned to the formatives. We know that it's uh, aligned. What are what are some of the other formatives, And, and I mean, not formatives, uh, interventions? I know you've got us in SuccessMaker. What are some things that are program-based, and then what are some things, and I, I know that, I mean, the world of intervention, you, you talk about academics and behavior, is ginormous. I mean, even, right. even um, a color chart, red, yellow, green, which is not really best practice anymore, was a behavior intervention chart in the past. And that could have been something that could have been used. Talk to me about some of the, the most um, widely used interventions that we do here at EPIC.
1: Some of the most, Freckle Mm -hmm. is one, like you said, Freckle is one, and Freckle is fantastic because when our students benchmark, that information is automatically transferred over to Freckle, uh, so that program knows where the student tested, where the student scored low, and it automatically builds a path for that student to take off on of where they actually are at based on that score. We don't have to go in and adjust anything. It's supposed to already be done for us and know where that student needs to to be at and targeting. Um, and then we use SuccessMaker, and you know I absolutely love SuccessMaker. Um, that's what we use in Tier 2 and Tier 3. That gives us very definitive information of that student. It gives us retention indexes, um, comprehension indexes, it shows us right down to the, the the guts of where the student is on specific skills. So I do love it. Um, we used MindPlay. Uh, MindPlay's phenomenal with those uh, basic reading skills. It's so good at those. So MindPlay's really good to use. It gives us really good information about uh, the student's reading, how they're able to move forward with the reading. Are they comprehending those things? Um, and then the interventions of meeting with the student one-on-one. I will say our teachers are rock stars at finding their student and trying to figure out how is that student learned and That's one of the main things that I always tell everybody. We can give you supplements and we can give you help. But one of the major factors in creating interventions for a student is learning that student. We have to learn that student. Yeah. Learn. Do they have ADD or ADHD? Do they show signs of dyslexia um, do they do they show t- signs of an auditory disorder where they're they not hearing what you're saying and able to follow those instructions Is it a processing so the first step in interventions is always taking a moment to learn your student learn how they learn um, and this is crazy to say and a lot of traditional, Teachers um, don't understand this, but being at Epic, you know, we've seen it a few times. You might have a student that cannot sit in a traditional desk and learn. Yeah, that's learning your student. If your student sits underneath the table and mm-hmm. feels like they are in a cave and, and they're comfortable in that area and they are sitting down there knocking their schoolwork out and doing it correctly, then let them sit under that table. The first intervention is always learning your students. Yes. Learning what the data says, learning the data off the benchmark. And then we go out and we find freckles, success maker, mind play, um, multiple, um, we've got some youngers that use ABC mouse, um, reading eggs, math seeds. All of those things are intervention tools that the teacher can actually set where the student is showing a deficiency and try to move them forward. Um, but A lot of interventions are just based upon learning the student, knowing how your student learns, and then putting them in it. Here's the thing, too. You might put them in one of those supplements, or you might start them with some offline work and find that that's that's not helpful for them and that's not working. Don't be afraid to change it. Change it. That's learning your student, and that's the 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 one thing that we always need to be intuitive to how that student is learning and if they're moving forward a student may move forward a little bit but are they still where they need to be is that the best path to get there
0: i remember my husband early on was thinking we are just willy-nillying this i mean you are changing things you are and i was like i know but we're trying to figure it out you know um you were able to, it was so just mind-blowing to me as my kids were going through Success Maker. And it's one of those, you've got to do it daily. If you don't do it daily, you're never going to see it. So we, I mean, we we did this. We, we buckled down. We said, okay, here we go. You know, we've been in and out of this. My kids keep getting identified each year. We're going to go through and do the darn thing. And you helped me with that. So thank you. And if, if I can help any of you parents with this, like, please know... <laughs> Our world is changing and it's taken 11 years to figure it out. But that's my own stubbornness. Uh, but <laughs> you were able to look at my oldest and say, you know, your, your intuition was right. It is dyslexia. I've seen very classic dyslexic things, but I think you're wrong on Joe. And here's what I'm saying with Joe and you, 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 We're still going to, you know, test. We've got one more tier to work through here. But you're seeing things like possible OCD, like how the, I did not know this and you brought this up and guess what? Now that you put it in my brain, I'm thinking, gosh, I mean, she does always do math here. She does do reading here. I didn't know if it was necessarily ritualistic, but once I tried to change it, boy, could I see that it was ritualistic every single night. She does. Her back must pop. Her ankles must pop. Then she goes through and pops all these things. It. She's got these little rituals that I I never even noticed until you you said you might look at, and you saw it in her handwriting. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's very particular, and that's the one thing that we do in our department is we do ask for those offline samples. Um, We want to see those. Sometimes we'll say, hey, can you get uh, can you do a video of of that student reading? I need to see something because there's something I'm seeing with what you have sent me and I want to just verify that and see that student with you reading. Um, Yeah, there's things that and that's the crazy thing. Again, that's why I love RTI. It's like the investigative side of education. You start looking at those samples, those work samples, and you see that very meticulous handwriting. And you can tell that student was not just writing and enjoying the writing. That student was making sure that every letter was written a specific Uh, At a specific spacing. Um, You can see where they erase sometimes because they didn't hit the top and the bottom line. So they go back and they erase it and then they do it again and then they erase the page enough that there's almost a hole in the paper because they've erased and tried to redo it. So, yeah, there's stuff that. That we see, that we look at, and when we ask for writing samples and offline material, we want to pull those things in, in and take a look at it. You know, um, as for your oldest, all of the indicators that we have, she's 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 brilliant, but she struggles with the reading. And when you start looking at the indicators she has, yes, there is possible dyslexia there that a school psychologist needs to take a look at her because um, the indicators we have what we've put in our data and we pull our data points and we look at that and we're like, Oh, mercy. Yeah. We see that there's something there. We need a school site to look at that and, and, and do do some more investigative work on their end. But we do see that there are set, certainly indicators there of that. And she has those. So, and, and, you know, it's just, uh, Joe is different. And that's the one thing that I think we've learned about your babies is they both struggle but they struggle differently and, and you can't put them both in the same box because they're not the same child. Um, and, you know, I think Erin, you and I have talked a lot about this as well. Both of us are super driven people. We are driven, driven women. And um, we had it's hard for me to know that I had a daughter that was going to struggle and not be able to find academics easy and i really struggled with not being enough for her and not being able to understand why she couldn't understand does that make
0: sense oh yes it does
1: <laughs> you now when when i'm i'm looking at her and she has tears coming out of her eyes and i'm like what do you mean you don't get this? I don't know how much easier I can explain it to you.
0: Oh, and Shelly, how many times was I a jerk when the tears came because I was frustrated that she didn't understand it. And I could not think of any other way to say it. Like, yeah. I have no other way to I just, what a jerk I was to my own kid.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's what... what I try to explain to parents that are struggling with this process because you don't want to hear that your student is below below grade level. You don't want to hear that they're significantly behind in certain areas because we want our kids to we, we I think we go back and we think that, oh, my gosh my kid is not going to be perfect. They're not going to be successful because we have those dreams of when those babies are born. I think every mama looks at those babies and say, he can be the president or she can be the president one day. And then you hear they tested low on a test and you're like, what they're supposed to be president.
0: You know, do not insert jokes here. This is okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's just, that where it, it just breaks your heart that you know they're going to struggle. And as a, a, a person who um, didn't struggle academically, I know you did. I didn't. It was very hard for me to, to say, okay, am I explaining this right? Am I enough for her? I am not. I am not good enough to teach my own child how is this and she would look at me and go mom I don't understand so I think our parents need to understand that RTI is a process and just like we're helping the student we want to help the parent too because the parent's going to have to learn how to acclimate their teaching to their student as well.
0: So how can parents and guardians and caregivers help with the RTI process?
1: This is but the first thing I'm going to say is help but don't help. And, um, yes. we have a tendency to, when we start helping our kiddos, uh, you know, I, I, so Riley is my middle daughter and I have Tegan who is the baby and Tegan is, 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 does not struggle academically, but that kid, he can come in and say, Hey mom, can you help me with this math? Let me just say he hates math. But he'll come in and he'll say, mom, can you help me with this math? And I'll be like, yeah, sure. I'll help you. We start working with it. Next thing I know, I'm sitting there giving him step yes. by step and answering it. And yes. I'm like, what are you doing? Yes. And I look at him And I'll say, you little brat. I, you just really manipulated me into doing that for so you. Easy. I like, well, I was just asking questions. Well, yeah. And so what I say is help, but don't help. Help your students but don't help them so much that they're not using their brain for to follow through on those next steps. When we have them in a supplement, they're going to say, Hey, I don't understand this. Can you come help me? No, don't. Don't read it for
0: them. Nope. Don't give them a clue. Don't No leading questions. No,
1: we are collecting data. So, what we're do- we don't want your answer, we want your student's answer. And to remember that there's no right or wrong. Everything that that student is doing is a process to figure out how we can help them more. So, the, the main thing I would say to anybody that's helping a student with interventions is to be a rock. To be a rock, that kid has to know that there's somebody there in their corner supporting them, whether they're answering it right or wrong. That you're there making sure that they're doing the work, that they're completing the work, that you're there to bounce questions off of when they're frustrated, that you help them say, okay, now let's read that over again. I want you to read that passage again break it down a little bit. You're giving instruction like that. You're not reading it for them and saying, okay, well, let me just read it. And you answer the questions. You're messing up. You're messing up. They need to read that. If you need to say, okay, I'm not going to read it for you, but I want you to take it one sentence at a time. And then I want you to pause after that sentence. And I want you to think about what you just read. And it could be a nonsense sentence that's just thrown in there that doesn't have any guts to what they're trying to learn. But they just need to sit there and even determine that that doesn't have any information that's that's making effect on that word problem that they're writing. Um, They need to stop and think about what is the genre? What is this leading to? Is this first person, second person? If they have to break it up, that information is helping that student learn how they learn themselves. And when we are give, being overly helpful, we're, we're um, keeping the process of not being so successful and we're making, actually, we're drawing out the process on, on getting
0: them help. That's exactly right. I was going to say that. I mean, why am I 11 years into this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh it, it's my own darn fault. It is my own darn fault. It is not. It was the
1: best intentions, though, Erin. best intentions.
0: You I know. know. Um, well, uh, Shelley, thank you. I'm sure this could be its own entire podcast daily Absolutely. podcast. But yeah. thank you for coming on. And as we get feedback, if you guys have feedback, if you have questions, ask them in the the podcast app. Send me an email. Hit me up uh, with. Um, uh, comments in, in anywhere, uh, Barnes at epiccharterschools.org. Let me know if you've got more questions. If you want Shelly on again, if you want to come up with the questions that I asked Shelly, let me know so that, um, we can get you the help you need. Shelly, thank you for the help that you've given me and my girls. Um, you're amazing. And, you You
1: know, I love you guys. And I I know that um, your babies are successful, and they're gonna they're gonna make their mark on the world, and that's just like um, look at you. Look at you. And I know that you've shared you just in this podcast your ADD and dyslexia, and you're changing the world. And that's an inspiration to so many of us parents that look back at the struggles our own kids have. So I love you, and I love the inspiration that you are to, to so many. So, anytime, anytime you need me back, let me know. I'd love to be here.
0: Thank you so much. Well, tune in next week where we're rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving world.